0: the word of truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our study. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for watching over us, for guiding us and protecting us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of studying from that word. Please give us wisdom and understanding and help us that as we enter into this truth, we will rightly divide it. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, It's All About Worship. And our passage for this study is Romans 6. Verse 16. Romans 6 16, and it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? Today we're going to talk about a theme in the Word of God. One of the overriding themes in the Word of God is that it's all about worship. If you look at the great controversy, if you look at the scriptures as a record of God's dealings with man, right, the entrance of sin to the universe, the entrance of sin to the earth, how man fell, and the plan of redemption to restore man, it's all about worship. Worship and obedience are two of the overriding themes of of the scripture. They're not the only two things right not trying to say that they're not the only two things in the discussion about worship and obedience we see grace and mercy and love those things are manifest throughout but the reason that i'm saying that it's all about worship the conflict in heaven started when lucifer decided that he wanted all of the attention that was going to God. And we can see it when he has his opportunity in Matthew chapter 4, as recorded in Matthew chapter 4, to tempt Jesus. Where does he end up in that temptation? Bow down and worship me. That's ultimately where he goes because that's ultimately his agenda. The conflict between Christ and Satan is about who will have our allegiance and worship. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 point out that Lucifer, the most exalted cherub, wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to receive worship. Paul, in Romans 6, is helping us understand that obedience and worship are tied very much together. Who we listen to, who we obey, is who we give our allegiance to. And there are only two teams. We're either following Satan and sin unto death, or God and obedience unto righteousness. There's some other passages that we can read that convey this idea as well. Right from the beginning, Genesis three eleven. After Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree that they shouldn't have, and God in Christ comes looking for them, and uh, Adam indicates that they're they're hiding because they're naked. Verse eleven of Genesis three says. And he said, this is God speaking, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Right? So God gave a command, and Adam and Eve listened to the instruction of the serpent. Eve directly, Adam indirectly, but they listened, they obeyed someone else. Okay? And it led them to a place. That was problematic. Um, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel as he's giving them a charge before they enter into Canaan. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Okay? So he speaks about the choice of life. So here we have an opportunity to choose life or death. And if you look at all of the things he commanded in Deuteronomy 30, there's a lot pertaining to obedience and worship in there. But let's go to a more condensed version of that. Some years later, Joshua has a conversation with them at the end of his tenure in Joshua 24:15, And he says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom ye will serve whether the gods of your fathers that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua here ties obedience and worship together. Whoever you worship is whoever you serve and obey. We already did Romans 6.16 from our our, uh, study verse. And I want you to consider that it has always been worship from the beginning, even from before the fall. If you look at Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three, and we've discussed this in other podcasts about the covenants. If you look at Jeremiah 31, 33, here's what it says. But this will be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. So God has this has been God's intent, always, for him to be our God, us to be his people. He plans to take care of us, and to uh, provide for us, and we worship him, because he is a God, the only true God. So when we look at... The conflict that is recorded for us in Revelation 13, when we look at the time of the end pertaining to the beast and his mark, there are many today who suggest that it has everything to do with technology or economics. But it's all about worship because every conflict in the scripture is about worship ultimately. It's always about worship. Whatever other proxies that exist, whether it be status, power, wealth, etc., influence, it's always about worship. Always boils down to worship. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. In fact, if you take the King James Bible and you look for the word worship just the word worship alone you will find that there are 108 instances of that word across 102 verses in the entire Bible 15 of those instances or almost 14% are found in the book of Revelation 6 of those 15 are found in chapters 13 and 14 alone now Chapter 13 speaks about the two powers that will create problems or have created problems over time, but but uh, the first half of Chapter 13 is the origin of the Antichrist, right? And the last half of Chapter 13 is the final execution of, of persecution that will be done on this earth before the Second Coming. Chapter 14 is the message... To the world given by God's people to prepare them, to warn them about the power of Revelation 13 and to prepare them for the soon return. And the passages, the word worship shows up a lot of times in these passages. So let's go through Revelation 13 verse 1. Verse 1 says, And I stood at the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Today we're not dealing with any of the symbols, we're dealing with the activity of these two beasts. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. The dragon, of course, being Satan, as shown us in Revelation chapter 12. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. Uh, Some influence there. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Okay, blasphemies are against God, obviously. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, very clear there to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Okay, so blasphemy, by the way, implies worship, or it it sets the connotation of, of a worship situation, right? Because blasphemy... In order to blaspheme, you need to have someone or something that is deemed holy that is being treated in a way that is inappropriate, that is unholy, that is profane. So even though those two verses don't say worship, they're still speaking, we're still having a spiritual discussion here, right? Blasphemy does not happen in a completely secular context. There's always a spiritual connotation to blasphemy. Okay. And he opened his mouth to blaspheme against God, to blaspheme his name, and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Okay, so that was the first beast. Verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, before him, meaning in his presence, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Okay, so the second beast comes on the scene and he reinstitutes or reinforces or reestablishes worship to the first beast on a global level. Okay, so already before anything else has happened, the second beast is pursuing a worship agenda relative to the first beast. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. This is a spiritual activity. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Okay? Again, emphasizing spiritual power is being exercised here. Spiritual power is being exercised for the enforcement of worship. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Okay? So here we see legislative agenda. He gave power, he empowered the beast, the image of the beast rather, so that the image of the beast can set laws and enforce them. And this, he had power to give life, is very similar to what we saw in verse 2, where it said the dragon gave the first beast his power. Okay. Verse 16. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay. For some reason, despite all that we've read up to this point and how many times worship is a core component and how much spiritual activity is taking place, People get to this verse or they isolate this verse and ignore all of the other verses in this chapter and immediately leap to technology, whether it is microchips or vaccines or some other kind of implement. They leap over to technology and they decide that this is all about technology. It is not. It is all about worship. Does that mean that technology can't be used for enforcement? No, it does not. It could be used for enforcement, but it is not the primary consideration. This is about worship. Okay? This is about worship. Here is wisdom. Let him that understandeth count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, score and six. This issue here points out that the beast is going to give power to an image that resembles, that mimics, that is a replica in many ways, of the first beast. And it's going to execute the same kind of power that the first beast executed. And it's going to cause people to worship. And people who don't worship will be persecuted up to the point of death. And they will use economic constraints to enforce this worship, right? That's clear from the scripture that no man might buy or sell. That's clear in the scripture that this is about worship and that economic authority and constraints will be used to enforce that worship. Might technology also be used? Sure. We live in a technological age. There are many places that have sufficient technology to be able to control this. So sure. Okay. But for those people who keep insisting that this is all about technology, let me point out that we live in a time right now where vaccine mandates are being enforced. Not everywhere, not universally yet yet. And I say yet, not knowing for sure that it'll be done universally, but it's possible. Not universally, but vaccine mandates are being enforced in a lot of places. And if you look carefully, if you look closely, they're not being enforced with technology. They're being enforced in a lot of different ways. Governments have a lot of ways to enforce things, not only using technological means. Every place on the planet is not at the same level technologically to be able to enforce things, everything technologically, okay? Technology is just one of the many tools that can be used to enforce something, but you don't have to. We have had many times in the history of this planet where governments have banded together or individually constrained people and they didn't necessarily use technology to do it because it's not not essential that technology be used to do it. The other thing as it pertains to technology and worship, at the end of the day, not only is the great conflict, the great controversy, (laughs) primarily about worship. Whom will you worship? It's about choice. Right? It's about choice. We saw that in Deuteronomy 30. We saw that in Joshua 24. We saw that in um, Romans 6. All throughout the Bible, choice is emphasized. If we make technology the core thing that the powers that be will use to enforce being on their side or not, then we eliminate choice because all you'd have to do is arrest somebody and inject them or otherwise um, surgically implant something in them against their will. But since they have it, now they're doomed, right? There's no way that God would allow this battle to come down to whether or not someone could force you to do something physically. It's always about choice. During the Dark Ages... The conflict against the papacy was always about choice. People can compel you in many ways. They can use force against you in many ways, but they cannot make you choose one way or the other. Right? If I hold the gun to your head, you may decide that you will say whatever it is I tell you you need to say because you don't want to be shot, but that's still a decision you make. Sure. Sure. It is a coercive decision, right? It's coercion, sure. But the point is, if you choose not to do it, I can't make you do it. I can only inflict whatever punishment I threatened you with. I can't make you do it. The mere presence, the mere, the mere fact that I pull a gun in an attempt to encourage you strongly to make the decision that I want doesn't mean that I can force you to make that decision, right? Coercion doesn't guarantee that I'll get the result that I want. It just increases the odds that I'll get the result that I want. Satan's team is going to try and and use every method to do it, but God's team can only rely on what you believe and what you agree to do, okay? If you look at Revelation 14, What are we warned about? We're told at the beginning of that conflict, and if you read verses 1 through 5, you'll see that the people highlighted there are the 144,000, those who overcame the beast. Okay? But if you look at verse 7, you'll see the recurrence of the theme, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of of his judgment has come and worship him that made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of water. And if you go down to, uh, verses 10 and 11, well, start at nine, really third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. What do we see here in chapters 13 and 14? That your choice is between worshiping God or worshiping the beast. You're either going to be afraid of what God is saying or what the beast is saying. You're either going to pay attention to the entreaties of God or the entreaties of the beast. That's what it's all about. Whether or not technology gets used to enforce the mark of the beast is as immaterial as whether or not technology gets used to help the broadcast of the messages of the three angels here in Revelation 14. It's just a vehicle. It's just a tool. It is not the entire point. Governments can restrict things without using technology, and the message of the gospel can get to the whole world without using technology. The fact that those two tools will be used is immaterial to the core issues of worship and obedience. Romans 6:16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It's all about worship. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your love. We thank you for the information that you presented in your word to help us to be oriented correctly about what this whole conflict is about. Please forgive us of our sins, help us to study your word diligently, and help us to share this information with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can email us at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. Don't forget to check out the full description of this episode at BibleStudy.ASBZone.com to ensure that you can access the linked resources and any related podcast episodes. This podcast is available on all the major platforms, such as Pandora, Apple Music, amazon music and more please remember us in your prayers until we meet again next time may god richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share his holy word